0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I am your co-host, Karen, and I'm excited to bring a special co-host in today, another Karen, Karen Krieg, who has been a good friend of mine for 10 years now. Hi, Karen.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Good. Thanks for joining us
1: today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, it's nice to see you. So in addition to being a a friend of mine for 10 years, Karen and I met when she ran this boot camp for humans and their dogs, Boomer and I went through her physical boot camp, you kind of kicked our butts a little bit, I think, I think Boomer was much better at it than right, much better (laughs) at it than I was, he could run for an hour. But um, Karen also has a sniff spot. And I thought it would be great to have her join Today, because we actually have the founder of Sniff Spot um, as our guest. Hi, David.
2: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here,
0: David. I got to tell you, you are a genius. I wish I had thought of Sniff Spot.
2: I wish I could take the credit, but it was actually my wife's idea.
0: <laughs> so you know, Karen' no, my wife's idea. <laughs> Karen, right? Karen has a great Sniff Spot out in Mount uh, Mount Airy, Maryland, where we've gone a few times. And we're also um, just about to schedule an Aussie meetup there because it's so fantastic. But how, so how did your wife come up with this idea, David?
2: Well, it was back in late 2017. Um, we were not married at the time we were dating. We had actually not met too long before this. And um, we both had dogs we met, now they're siblings Rebecca traveled with her dog Toshi um, for work and she was actually in Baltimore. So not too far. She was by the airport in Baltimore staying at um, like the Aloft hotel. And she uh, was working odd hours, bringing her dog out trying to have Toshi at least be able to go to the bathroom or go for a walk at like night. And he's not going to go into the bathroom on leash. She didn't want to let him off because he might go chasing after a deer and overall, it was just a nightmare. She texted me and she said, there's got to be a better way. I just wish there was an app where I could find places to let Toshi off leash. And that was the origin of the Sniff Spot idea.
0: That, I mean, that is really cool. So you took that idea and ran with it.
2: Well, you know, it wasn't exactly a straight line. Um, I, I knew about Airbnb. And I, you look around, look around at any yard. Yards are always empty. So I thought, man, you know, this is something that, you know, I think let's see what happens. And I just posted about it on Facebook and over a thousand people interacted with that post. So I said, okay, I'm going to build a little website for this.
0: So wait a second, wait a second, back up. So did you post your yard on Facebook or?
2: No, I literally just said, here's an idea. (laughs) What do you think of this? And a thousand people were like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, so, I
0: think that I would have commented on it. So, I live in the city of Alexandria. We have a teeny tiny yard. It's okay for an Aussie puppy, but it's not okay for two Aussies. And I've got one Aussie that used to love the dog park, but another one that just does not do well at dog parks. So, Sniff Spot has been a lifesaver. For me, I would have commented on that post in a second.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's it turns out there's a lot of people that that want this. And, and the thing I've learned is that um in the modern world, it's not really designed with space for dogs. Dogs evolved, they were bred in a different world where they could run free. And now they're living in apartments or they're on leashes. So Sniff Spot is the antidote for all the problems that come from that dogs. There's obesity, reactivity, anxiety, they're rampant. And Sniff Spot really is um, a helpful tool. It's a solution for that where you can let your dog run free and they can just be dogs. So that's, that's the, I think that's why so many people were so into it.
1: Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I had reactive dogs. Karen met my previous dogs and taking them and letting them off leash somewhere was a dream, but it was always, oh, are the police going to come and find me in this park or, or are they going to, somebody else going to show up, even though this is like the remotest place I can find. And it was so stressful.
0: Well, Karen, you lived in DC at the time too, didn't you?
1: Yeah. uh, When we first met, I lived in a condo right across from the National Zoo.
0: Not exactly um, an area that had a lot of yards either. No. (laughs) So, David, how how did you keep walking us through this? It's fascinating. How did you go from this thousand comment Facebook post to developing the Sniff Spot app? And who was your first yard?
2: So um, I put up a website. Um, Karen, you joined a long time ago, but I think you might have been after this website. I- I'm not sure. It was a static website that I literally, whenever someone added a yard or edited or edited their yard, I manually updated the listing. Oh God! And I posted. W- w- were you Were you around then?
1: I think so. I think I had looked into it early on, and I was like. Um, yeah, yeah, this we, is cool. We, but... Yeah, Karen, because when
0: did <laughs> you, you moved a while ago, you moved pre-pandemic.
1: Uh, I bought this Farmette right at the beginning of the pandemic, but I had seen, because I'd been looking for places to tell my clients from dog training to go, they were looking for spaces to take their dogs, and I had kind of dug around and found sniff spots. And that's where I first came across the idea.
2: You you are definitely one of our earliest hosts, um, not just in the D.C. area, but anywhere. Um, and so I put up this very basic website and I posted Craigslist ads. And that's where our first host signed up. And, um, you know, the first hosts were not very popular. Um, they were in faraway places or they didn't have fenced yards. I had no idea what people would actually want, and the way Sniffspot took off was one of our earliest hosts, whose name is Beth Clark, is one of our super fans, and she happened to know her old um, vet tech teacher who uh, had a 10-acre parcel about an hour outside Seattle, and she told her about this. And um, that person whose name is Ellen signed up to host. And that is when Sniffspot took off because she had a five acre fully fenced space. She bred um, Irish wolfhounds. And so she had a huge space and it was literally paradise for dogs. So um, Sniff Spot took off with her. And for a long time, that single host was about 50% of our bookings. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was how SniffSpot really got going, was just this one person randomly found out about it. And that's what made, suddenly it started, people started coming back and the word started spreading. And that was, that was it.
0: So you're on the East Coast though, right?
2: Well, when I started SniffSpot, I was living in downtown Seattle Ah, and moved to Salem, Massachusetts uh, in early 2021.
0: Oh, that makes sense then. So how many spots do you have now?
2: So you might find this crazy, um, but over 10,000 hosts have signed up on SniffSpot now.
0: Wow. And you're all over the country?
2: All over the country, all over the world. So I'm sure you have listeners as far away as Australia and New Zealand. We've got spots in Australia and New Zealand.
0: That's incredible. So do you are you primarily in urban areas or are there people out in rural areas that, in terms of people like me that would use them? I mean, I get people like Karen who lives about an hour from me and that's a more rural area. But as a user, I mean, I would think that I would be your primary user, somebody that lives in an urban area with a, uh, I like to say, a dog that has a very large personal bubble.
2: Yes. So so I'll tell you a few interesting things about SniffSpot. So when I started sniff Spot, I was living in a high rise. I thought sniff Spot was for people in high rises. That's not actually true. Um, 40% of our users are urban. 50% are suburban and 10% are rural. That actually pretty closely matches the general population distribution. So it's not, it's not that different. Here's another crazy fact. 70% of our users have their own yard. And that's on the guest side, obviously. So 70% have, our, have their own yard and many of them have large, nice yards. It turns out that Sniff Spot is not a yard replacement. It's more of a walk replacement. So people, even if you have a yard, you're still taking your dog out to do things and sniff spot is great, is a great way to do that. And um, the, so, so it's, it's really not, it really surprised me that way. The other thing that I've learned that has blown my mind, early on, we did see reactive dogs um, was our thing. I was, I, that was surprising too. I didn't know that term when I started sniff spot and it quickly began popping up. And um, I thought, oh wow, this is really cool. Um, let me learn more about it. And I started surveying dog owners, general, not not spot users, any average dog owner. And I've learned an astounding fact. Any way you cut it, our research, third-party research, 75% of dogs are in some way reactive. No matter no, no matter which way I've cut the data, I found that seventy five percent of dogs are in some way reactive. That that doesn't mean they're you know gonna bite any dog they can find, but it's that you know some of them are selective. Um, but it's an amazing statistic that made me realize that this is a segment that is quite large.
0: Well, I'd buy that, wouldn't you, Karen?
1: Oh, for sure, because reactivity shouldn't just be limited to dogs who seem aggressive. React, reactive means they react to the environment. They react to stimuli. They react to their own fears and anxieties. So it's a much broader part of the population. I mean, most of my training clients, um, I would qualify their dogs as reactive.
0: Well, so. it's why Poppy can't go to a dog park anymore. I mean, there's too much stimuli. There's too much going on there for her. She just doesn't react well to Mm -hmm. that which is why Sniff spot is so great for her Um, boomer on the other hand likes that type of engagement and likes to interact but that's why we have meetups for boomer at your sniff spot karen
1: yeah it was so good to see him i missed him
0: yeah he's a good boy so karen i'm interested in how you decided to um create a sniff spot on your property because it seems like you almost bought your property with that in mind.
1: Well, I didn't buy it with it in mind. Um, I bought this place because it was formerly a rescue. So it was already largely set up to have sections for dogs and whatnot. And then when I was out walking my fields, I'm like, I could actually host here and not have to worry about dogs in my personal space. And they can have th- two or three acres to go run around and give people the opportunity that I never had when I was working with Rosie and Sasha on their reactivity.
0: Well, it's a great, it's a great, great facility. I like the way that you've had it. You've got it broken up because you've got the agility area in one part, and then you've got the big field where they can all run in another. And Karen, you also provide water and Mm -hmm. toys and poop bags. David, is that pretty typical for a sniff spot host to provide? Because Karen's is really fantastic.
2: So um, we, our guests do love that. Our guests love it when they can have some of those amenities, things they might have forgotten otherwise. Um, that's nice for them. However, I will say that Karen's spot is a very nice spot. Um, it I personally have visited, and um, it is beautiful. I was there early in the morning and the fields were misty and it was, um, and it's fully fenced. It's private. It's huge. It is certainly what I would call our kind of archetype archetypal great spot. It's a, it's a great, it's a great location.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's when I saw this place when I, I had no intention of moving and I was like, God damn it. So Yeah, <laughs> it has a magic aura to do at this place.
0: You're funny. So, you know, during the pandemic, um, a lot of, I would say probably all the dog parks around here were shut down, locked up. Uh, do you all remember that? Yeah. Um, I'm interested in what impact the pandemic has had, David, on Sniff Spot globally, and then Karen on yours personally.
2: So it's really funny you mentioned that about Sniffspot, um, and it's it's fun talking to people that are based in DC about this because, or on the whole, the the pandemic didn't have much of an impact um, on Sniffspot. Not that we noticed. We've been growing very quickly from the beginning, and we kept growing quickly, and it was kind of all, all the same. However, there's one market that really stood out during the pandemic, and that is the DC area. Um, at that time, this My was a right, little bubble. <laughs> it, it, and it's just around the time that Karen joins, um, which may or may not be a coincidence. Um, but
1: I'll take all the credit. No worries.
2: And in, in D.C., when the pandemic hit, they did close the dog parks and, and that was unusual. Most cities didn't do that. And and D.C. went from being almost a negligible part of Sniff Spots business to being one of our largest markets basically overnight. And today it's still our fourth largest market. Um, and it was because of that massive spike that we saw during, um, during the pandemic. And, and I do think that we see a lot of support in that area from rescues and from dog trainers. I, I think there are a lot of rescues and dog trainers that recommend Snip Spot in that area.
0: Yeah, Yeah, well, Karen, you're one. Oh yeah, yeah, I do it all here. So did you, did you see an increase in activity during the pandemic?
1: Uh, well, I started it after I moved here and I mean, I spent a ton of time trying to get the word out because I felt like most people hadn't heard of it.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So it was, yeah, in order because I'm old and I don't understand Instagram or TikTok, um, I spent a lot of time just posting on Facebook groups for dog groups breed specific, community groups, just letting them know. So for me, that's how I actually kind of built my, my spot up.
0: So, you know, I'm, now I'm going to shift from the pandemic to the economy. And I'm wondering, because David, I've seen, um, I've, I've received Facebook ads and I've seen a little bit in the news about how Sniff Spot can help um, people earn a little extra income. I mean, I'm just going to be, is that legit? Can you really make some decent money off of Sniff Spot? And if so, how do you do it?
2: Yeah, well, uh, you'll have to also ask Karen about that. Um, but uh, I can tell you on the whole for sniff spot, um, it can be very lucrative. Um, so a lot depends on how much you put into it. And we do see a lot of differences between hosts. I'll tell you something that's astounding, which is that our top hosts are earning over $3,000 a month, um, take home at this point. And many of them have essentially fully automated their, their spots so that they're only spending a couple hours a month managing it. So Sniff Spot can be incredibly lucrative for people that have cracked code on how to provide a great experience.
0: And do you help them provide that um, automated sign-up? I mean, what sort of support do you provide for a potential host or, or a current host?
2: So um, there's always more we can do. Um, and I I always wish that we could do more. Um, we have a very active Facebook group that is phenomenal. It's one of the best things about Sniff Spot. I absolutely love this group. It gives so much constructive feedback to help improve um, how we do things. And we certainly have a long way to go, but we do provide some tools that are pretty helpful. Um, So the most important thing is a calendar where hosts can set the times that they're available and guests can literally just book a time. Um, We've set things up where um, if a host would like We can automatically send all the information a guest needs to uh, visit the spot on their own. And obviously, it depends somewhat on the spot, but for the most part, it can be self serve. Um, For instance, when I visited Karen's spot, we never met. I don't think we had any kind of interaction. I booked a time on her calendar. I received the instructions for arriving. I drove up and parked. I walked my dogs to the spot, closed the gate. And, you know, after just checking the spot was safe, I let them run and that was it. So it's very much an automated experience.
0: Yeah. Karen, you want to add anything there? Are you, are you getting rich off your sniff spot? I mean, initially my goal
1: was to fuel my Starbucks habit. So that was the entire, I was like, (laughs) if I can pay for Starbucks, I'm a happy girl. (laughs) So good to have
0: have, goals.
1: I'm not rich from it. Um, I enjoy it immensely. I love the feedback I get from the the guests that come through. Um, but I do make enough to pay for the tractor to mow the fields and maintain them and you know, keep things up and add stuff. Like I added all the parkour equipment. I took the money that I'd been making and put it back into the spot to kind of keep improving the user experience. So,
0: but David, not everyone has the acreage that Karen does, right? I would assume that her sniff spot is probably the exception rather than the rule. I mean, I've used some here in Alexandria that are literally someone's backyard and it's a, a city lot that's got grass and things. But to your earlier point, It was someplace new for my dogs to go and sniff and run around. And we actually weren't even there an hour, you know, but it was something different for them to do.
2: So there are all different kinds of spots. That's what's fun about sniff spot. And Karen spot is one of my personal favorite types, which is a big fenced field to run in. And that is probably our bread and butter that's what most people are looking for on Sniff Spot. It's a big fence field to run in. Um, Now, people look for all different kinds of things. Like one of our fastest growing segments is what we call dog water parks, where hosts provide some kind of water feature for dogs. It could be a swimming pool or a river or a pond, or it could be a splash pad. So those kinds of um, parks are growing very quickly. And many people have just a yard that they've turned into a dog water park and they're quite popular. Overall, and this is something that's one of the most dramatic learnings about sniff spot, and you might've garnered this from the early story with Beth and Ellen, spots that are over half an acre earn six times more than spots that are under half an acre.
0: So what's the average hourly rate for a sniff spot?
2: So on average, booking, it's about $16 now is what people are paying. And that includes, there are some people that book longer than an hour. And there are some people that bring more than one dog. The average amount of people pay is
0: $16. And is there a limit to the number of dogs? I mean, so does Karen determine how many dogs and the price per dog? Yes. And do you provide your hosts guidance on that?
2: Um, we, we don't provide them guidance. Um, we let our hosts decide whatever works for their spot. I could see at some point as we develop more that we start to put more guardrails around this. But in general, we're actually moving away from too many guardrails. What we've heard from our hosts is they want tools to run their business. They don't want us to tell them how to run their business. So that's more the direction that we're going is giving them the tools and letting hosts decide what works for them.
0: What about insurance for the spots?
2: That was one of our biggest breakthroughs. Um, I think Karen may have been one of the brave few that signed up before we had insurance, but we have an amazing... Liability insurance policy for our hosts that provides $2 million of coverage. That's primary liability insurance. So, this is a fantastic policy. As far as I know, it has never existed before. We literally worked with an insurance company to create this. Um, And it's been in place since I'm not exactly sure when, but it might have been even after Karen joined.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it's
1: really nice. It really is because it takes a lot of the stress off and the burden of worrying what might happen out there.
0: Well, Karen, I remember one of our early visits to your spot, there was an issue with the agility equipment that we, right. We couldn't use the agility equipment, I think, because of an insurance issue. I,
1: yeah, I was, but I was running into with my business and uh, I have insurance for the house and the business and they were being weird. I see. Uh, I was working that out, so that's that's no longer an issue.
0: So, David, do you take a percentage or a fee for every booking? Is that how you make your money?
2: That's right. Yes. So, we don't charge hosts; don't pay us monthly um, or any kind of sign-up fee. It's all free to sign up and get started, and we make our money on a commission. How it works for a host in terms of their costs is. They pay SniffSpot 22% of what the guest pays. And then hosts also cover the payment processing charges, which is literally a pass through from our payment processor, which is 30 cents plus 2.9%.
0: Somebody's always got to do that processing fee, don't they?
2: It really adds up it, it really,
0: really does add up, it really, really does. So do you have any collaborative um, partnerships with organizations like Rover?
2: Uh, we we don't have um, not with Rover specifically, um, and we haven't done too many partnerships with these big companies. Um, we certainly partner with organizations. Um, So some organizations that we've partnered with are are like the Pet Professional Guild, um, Family Dog Mediation, which is Kim Brophy's organization. Yeah, we support a lot of rescues um, by uh, giving. Well, either we will give discounted visits to rescues or we support our hosts in giving discounted visits to rescues.
0: Oh, that's interesting. How does that work?
2: Well, so if you're a host, um, let's say you're a host and you're connected to a rescue or a rescue approaches you and says, hey, we have a lot of dogs that need safe private spaces. We're a nonprofit. Can you help us out? A host could email SniffSpot and say, hey, I want a discount code to give $5 off per visit to this rescue organization. And we'll generate a code and give it to that host and they can pass it along to the rescue to use when they're booking.
0: Oh, that's great because I, I I know pretty much every rescue I know uh, does not allow foster dogs to go to dog parks that's for right. a lot of really obvious reasons. That is really good to know. And we um, I don't know if you've listened to any of our podcasts, David, but we feature rescues quite a bit. So I I can think of several that will be very interested in knowing this.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: That's fantastic. We
2: love rescues. Many of our guests have rescue dogs. Many of our hosts are affiliated with rescues. So it's a big part of our community.
0: Wow, that's great. So Karen, who's coming to your sniff spot next besides the Aussies? Uh,
1: You are the main group, to be honest. Um, I've reached out to some of the other rescues and really haven't heard much back, which is, which always surprised me. I'm like, really? Like this would be such a great opportunity for your people.
0: Do you have regular clients that come that? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have some people, there's one girl right now who comes three or four times a week. I had a guy that was driving from down by you in Alexandria to here three times a week with his dogs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we get I get quite a few repeat people coming through.
0: Well, I think it's just a great thing to have and something that I wish that, David, you had started earlier, but glad you did it when you did. You mentioned that D.C. was your fourth largest uh, region. So where is Seattle? Number one.
2: Seattle is number one. Um, it was the first. Yep. And- it's just compounding and it's, it's losing ground to the others though. Um, Number two is Portland, Oregon, um, which I think in a lot of ways is kind of drafted on, on Seattle. But I also think that Portland, I think has some geographic benefits where there's just a lot of land around the city that makes for some fantastic spots there. In fact, Spots in the Portland area are our highest earning per spot, um, even higher than Seattle.
0: Is that because of volume?
2: Um, well, it, it's prices. Prices. So what we find is when hosts get busy, they tend to increase their prices uh-huh. over the long term. So um, we we do see that that you know we we have hosts our highest earning uh, our highest earning host is based in Portland. Um, and a few other of the top hosts are based in Portland and we certainly see that, you know, they're getting over 200 visits a month, um, which is astounding. I don't know how many hours there are in a month, but it's pushing it.
0: And so then what's number three?
2: Uh, number three is Los Angeles and Los Angeles just passed DC. Something crazy has happened there this, this year. Um, where I think it might have to do with some of the press coverage we got there. We've been getting a lot of press coverage in the area, and um, it has really exploded in popularity there, which makes sense given that it's one of the largest cities in the country. It's kind of the polar opposite from New York City, the two largest cities in the country. Los Angeles is massive, but it has space for spots, whereas in, in New York City, it's it's one of our smallest, you know, major markets. Um, and that's because there's just no space there.
0: Right. And you have to have, you really do have to have a car and not a lot of people who live in Manhattan have cars, right? That's right. So you'd have to rent your car or do your zip car. Do they that's still have cool. zip cars? There's
1: something out
0: there. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's interesting that Three of the four are West Coast. So, are you increasing your marketing to the East Coast, or how are you recruiting?
2: You you mentioned you mentioned that you'd seen a Facebook ad. Yep. And um, this is basically how Sniffspot works. So, we um, we do run Facebook ads, and we um, we have seen a pretty massive um, uptick in the number of hosts that are joining Sniffspot. Um, over this past year and I think a part of it is due to just kind of hitting critical mass a part of it might be due to what's happening in the economy right now and um and you know I, I think a part of it might be just due to to press getting you know there, there being more press coverage of sniff spot. so we we've now we're now adding over a thousand new hosts every month
0: oh, wow. That's great
2: so it's it's been a really dramatic increase over the past several months. Um, so we're we're certainly seeing a lot of growth happening and and the majority of that is outside the west coast. Um, in fact, the West coast now has dropped to be below and by West Coast, I mean Washington, Oregon, and California have dropped below fifty percent of our bookings now. so it's certainly um, starting to spread out a lot more and on the east coast d c is still by far the largest market
1: oh. Cool, cool, cool. That's pretty awesome. I didn't realize, I knew there were a lot of new faces and names on the host group. I didn't quite realize why. That's pretty awesome.
2: It's it's certainly been getting to be um, pretty massive and, and just managing the community. Like SniffSpot, I really, the, the host group actually has helped me understand that the community is what's so powerful about SniffSpot. And that's one of my biggest focus areas on one of the biggest challenges is how do we keep that community strong when we're adding so many new people all the time? And it's not easy.
0: So from a user perspective, kind of walk me through. So I download the app and what do I do? I put in my zip code or how, how do I discover sniff spots in my area?
2: Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. Yeah, you can go on our website or download the app and you open it up. It looks just like Airbnb. You can just click browse. We will uh, locate to you and show you the spots nearby. You can look at photos, reviews, information about the spot, decide the one that's best for you. And it's just simple, easy. checkout. select the time, and go visit.
0: And then from a host experience, how easy is it to upload your backyard or your acreage to become a sniff spot? Is there is there a process you have to go through in order to get approved or can just about anyone be a sniff spot? What, what's that like?
2: So um, we have very much so changed the process since Karen joined. Um, what we've learned, we've had a, a very um, astounding learning, really, which is that, um, which is that, uh, actually, you know, originally when Karen joined, we asked for a ton of information up front because we felt like it made SniffSpot safer to to have all this information on hosts up front. And what we've learned, we've run a series of tests where we asked for less information upfront from hosts. And we measured safety outcomes, like uh, customer service tickets or uh, customer service refunds, things like this. And we found that the amount of information we asked for upfront actually had no bearing or a negative bearing on safety. When you ask for more information upfront, it was actually less safe. Then, when you ask for less information up front, really? yes, and the reason for that is when you ask for all that information up front, people provide it, and then they're on the site and when guests look at it, that looks like a fully fleshed out active spot, although it might be a new host, they might be varying commitment levels or they might not be paying attention or whatever else so it kind of gives a false sense of of quality. Whereas if you require less information, then it's very apparent when guests are looking at it, which spots are very active and engaged and which spots aren't. So guests can select to go to the better spots. And because we found that actually it's safer to ask for less information, we've been asking for less information upfront. So it's a very simple process to add a spot onto sniff Spot. Of course, we screen every spot manually. Our customer service team literally looks at every spot. We check you out on Google Maps. We look at you in Google Street View and make sure that it's a legit spot. Now, the thing that's more difficult is once you have a spot, how do you be successful on SniffSpot? And that's where it's important to add all your information Make sure that you're providing a great experience for your guests and that you're getting great reviews and repeat customers. And that's how spots become successful with Sniff Spot.
0: This may not be a fair question, but do you have any idea of the longevity of a spot? Do people stick with you for a year, six months? Are they making a financial goal or do you think they're in it for the long term?
2: So in terms of in terms of hosts, I don't quite think about it that way um most hosts when they sign up they do it the same day like when their account is created they publish their spot on the same day so what that tells me is that the majority of hosts are signing up on a whim they first hear about sniff spot they think this is awesome I want to try it out and then they try it out and we see very quickly that a lot of spots turn off because Someone talks to their spouse and their spouse isn't okay with it. They realize my dogs are going to go bonkers at the back window if this happens. Or actually, I don't really want to have people in my yard. There's all kinds of reasons that people decide when it gets real that they don't want to do it. So very quickly, about half of spots turn off. And over the long run, about a third of spots that actually are published stay active. Um, And those spots tend to be the core spots that are very successful. They tend to become top spots, um, like Karen's spot is a top spot, and they tend to earn um, a a lot of money. In fact, we find that spots actually earn 50% more in their second year than they do in their first. And that is of all spots published. So in a given month, let's say we have 1,000 spots published, those 1,000 spots even though two-thirds of them are turned off, the remainder will earn 50% more in aggregate than all the spots in the first year did in their second year. So it, it's pretty, it, it's the kind of thing that builds over time. You build your clients over time, you build your reputation over time, and you continue to be more successful.
0: Karen, is that track with your experience? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, the
1: first year was kind of quiet. I didn't do a lot to help promote it. Um, I just kind of was like, we oh, let, let's let it run, see what happens. And now it's, it's, it's awfully consistent. And sometimes I'm like, damn, I want to get in my
0: own yard. That would be nice. But <laughs> you ever just look out the window and there's a, there's a whole pack of new dogs there, it has happened.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, where'd you come from? Who are you? And okay, cool. Good. As long as you're happy, I'm happy. So
0: David, what did you do before Sniff Spot?
2: Um, well, um, directly before Sniff Spot, I was unemployed. Um, but before that, I'd started a previous company. Um, I'd started a company very different in some ways, in some ways, similar. Um, it was a corporate housing company. So it was a website where corporate housing providers could list their corporate housing. And people that were traveling for an extended stay could book that corporate housing.
0: So it's not, yeah, it, it's a little like sniff spot.
2: And So in terms of the industry, nothing could be further apart.
0: But in terms of <laughs> the, the concept,
2: of the site, right. right. Yeah. So you've got suppliers and you've got demand and you're the website. That was basically the idea of it.
0: So this, so this idea, I mean, there, there was definitely a seed of, of knowledge there that you could draw upon.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like there, you know, I could learn from my past experience. And a lot of what I did with SniffSpot was early on, I didn't just try to grow and get bigger. Instead, I focused on how I could improve the quality. So we invested a lot in our product, in our website, in our app. We did a lot of experiments around how do we make sure that people are finding the spots that work best for them. And how do we reduce issues that people have with SniffSpot? So we introduced, you know, our review system has been optimized like crazy. In fact, of of all new visits, two thirds get a review. Um, So we get a lot of feedback from reviews and um, we have our top spot rating, our search algorithm, which we still got a lot of complaints about, but... It does a very good job of promoting the high, high quality spots in general over low quality spots. All those things we've done have really helped to make Sniff Spot into a high quality experience where now 95% of our reviews are five stars.
0: Well, that's impressive. Karen, I mean, you've got the founder of, of the company here. What questions do you have or suggestions do you have for David?
1: I mean, I love doing this. I mean, it's it's been awesome experience in terms of other things. I don't know. The only thing I could think of is adding like targeted or helping helping hosts set up like a way to do Facebook ads for their spots. That would be really useful because that is beyond my scope of knowledge. I'm like, I've taken a class on it and I turned the class off. I'm like, yeah, I just don't. This is I I do dog training. I I don't do this. <laughs> so, so that's about it. I mean, they're very they're so responsive to questions and help when you need it. And if you need insights, like the community group is quite amazing that way. So, you know, all in all, it's been one of the most fantastic experiences I've had. And this is, I mean, I've had, you know, several businesses at this point. So this has been the easiest and the
0: quickest learning curve of all of them. David, how big is your team?
2: Oh, uh, we've got six people that are full-time right now.
0: And, and what uh, what are they focused on?
2: Well, there's me. Um, and my main thing is I, I kind of do product, which is like ideating new features, talking to customers and figuring out what to prioritize. I do almost all the marketing. And um, I I do customer service in terms of like escalations of technical issues or, you know, major uh, issues that need to be dealt with. Um, And then there, we've got three developers that are full-time. One that, that does our mobile app, one that does our website and the other that does our backend, which is all the logic behind the scenes. We've got a full-time designer and we have two full-time customer service people.
0: And are you a host as well?
2: No. Are no, you a I, user? I am a user. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm Do you addicted. always give
0: five-star reviews?
2: Um, so, um, you know, I, I used to actually <laughs> visit all our new spots. And um, I would visit every new spot. And either it got a five-star review or it got removed. Early on, you know, there were some pretty, I had some pretty uh, hairy experiences. You know, you walk into a place and, their dog comes out on the porch or you walk into a place and there's a big pile of rusty metal or something. Um, so there were a lot of, you know, there was a lot of learning curve around maintaining quality or, or you drive to location and it's the mall. <laughs> or, really? Um, yeah, yeah. Cause you know, people would, y- there are a lot of fraudsters out there um, and people, you know, would try it out. Um, we've seen some people attempt fraud on sniff spot. sniff spot is it's it's basically impossible to be fraudulent or it's very difficult to be fraudulent on sniff spot um, because um, we delay our payments to our hosts so like the idea of fraud would be someone will create a fake spot someone would pay for it they'd get their money and run and we don't pay our hosts we only pay our hosts every month so any fraud that happened gets caught before that. Um, or someone creates a fake spot and they try to book it using stolen credit cards. That's another thing that we've seen. Like they'll set a price of $100 an hour and book it for a $500 <laughs> booking and try to use stolen credit cards for that. And, and that also doesn't work because we don't pay our hosts right away and we catch the fraud before that. So the ma- we saw some attempts at fraud and now it's pretty much dropped off.
0: I would think that seeing a $100 fee would also be a red flag for you, right?
2: Without going into too much detail, that's certainly one of the criteria that we look at when we're rooting out fraud. Yeah, there are $100 bookings, um, many, many, many legitimate $100 bookings or more. Um,
0: Really? So what's a $100 booking? Is it that Uh, 10 acres in Oregon?
2: It's mainly about dog get-togethers. So, um, we've seen things you wouldn't believe. Um, we've seen 40 greyhounds. We've seen a hundred to 150 corgis. Um, you see people having dog birthday parties with 10 dogs and that could easily be over. I see. On
0: I day. gotcha. Not a hundred dollars an hour, but a hundred dollar booking. Yeah. So the one that we're doing with Karen, that's going to be $70 cause it's we're doing two hours. Um, but man, those corgis—they're master meetups. Yeah. They have those huge corgi groups. I think our biggest Aussie meetup was over a hundred.
2: Whoa! Wow.
0: Yeah, at a winery out in Virginia.
2: So um, I thought you might find this interesting, given that you're dog people. Um, I'm wondering—you know—if you can guess what our top breed is on Sniff Spot. Aside from mix, mix is our top breed. But aside from that, what is our top, like stated breed that's using sniff spot?
0: Okay, wait, wait, don't answer yet, Karen. All right, can you give <laughs> us? Can you give us a hint?
2: Um, it's not one of the most popular breeds overall.
0: I'm gonna guess it's one of those a little dog. I'm gonna. What do you? What's your guess, Karen?
1: I mean, I would probably think your pit bulls slash the bully breeds. Because those are the people that struggle the most with, especially dog parks, and don't want to be there with their pets. So, I mean, I, I don't actually know what the stats are on my place, but a, I see a fair amount of hounds, mutts, and then pit mixes. When I have checked, sometimes I
0: don't check. <laughs> All right, so you're saying pit, I'm saying Yorkie. We could not be any further apart on the dog spectrum.
2: Um well um I gotta tell you that the winner is Karen. Well,
0: well okay. We won. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that was an easy one.
2: Uh, so <laughs> the, 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 the number one breed besides Mix is American Staffordshire Terrier.
0: That makes and, sense.
2: Um Yorkie, so what's the actual what's the full York what's the full name for Yorkie? Yorkie Yorkshire Terrier.
0: Yorkshire Terrier. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, that is number fifty-two. Ah. Now, um, so you you said that your meetup is uh, is Australian Shepherd.
0: Yeah, Australian Shepherds.
2: So, um, any guesses on where Australian Shepherds fall in in terms of breed popularity on Sniff Spot? Overall, they're the fifteenth most popular breed according to the uh, um, the American Kennel Club.
0: Yeah, I'm going to guess that they're under fifty.
2: That's a good guess.
0: I would put them at the
1: top 20. I see a fair amount of them coming through here too because of space.
2: Yep. So it's number 11. Um, they are overweight on sniff spot relative to their general population because they're such a high, high energy breed. Like if you look at our top 10 breeds, American Staffordshire Terrier, German Shepherd, which uh, makes sense because it's one of those popular breeds anyway. And yeah. high energy Labrador Retriever, same thing, high energy, um, very popular. Then Husky.
0: Yeah, it's another high energy.
2: Then Malibu. Yeah. uh, Australian Cattle Dog, it's number seven. Great Dane is number eight. Border Collie, and then Golden Retriever.
0: Those all make sense. They all make sense. I mean, we started the meetup so people could get their dogs together to run and play. So Sniff Spot is, you know, definitely a good tool in our toolbox for our Aussie meetups. That's really interesting. All right. So much for my genius theory that little dogs need places to run. Chihuahua
2: (laughs) Chihuahua is number um, 17.
0: See, I thought though, like little dogs, little Yorkies and chihuahuas and things that you don't take them to the dog park because the big dogs will trample them or, you know, shake them. So that was my logic, and I'm just trying to justify my answer here, which was clearly wrong.
2: <laughs> but but you know, Chihuahuas are the 33rd most popular AKC breed, and they're the 17th most popular. So they are using us more. They they tend to use us more than the average dog, basically. For for the I think for the exact reason you say.
0: Well, thank you for helping justify my wrong answer. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I thought this was going to be some trick question, That it was the least obvious
2: dog. <laughs> no, it's, it's I, I think I was surprised at the pit bull being the top, but the other ones, you can kind of look at it and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially yeah. in the areas
0: where you are too. I mean, if you look at your big, your big user areas, Yes. Know. this is such a great conversation. It, what a pleasure talking to both of you. I want to thank you both for the service that you're providing dog owners um I mean, what a great, great idea! Thank your wife for us
2: I will do well I
1: email her a s- extra special present of some sort i I think she definitely should get something, maybe a new car
0: maybe you know maybe yes. her, yeah yes. well <laughs> i can I can send her a Pa go t shirt so that
2: <laughs> is a great idea, Yes. how
0: about that? I,
2: Uh, And and, yeah, you you can, you can send her. Yeah. I'll, I'll get you her size.
0: Okay. (laughs) So David, before we go, I'm just curious, what kind of dogs do you and your wife have?
2: Well, um, A Yorkie and a pit. I'm pretty stereotypical. I've got a lab pit mix. (laughs) So the top I'm I'm right at, I'm right at the most typical sniff spot user and um, Toshi is a true mix. Um, He is um, part husky He's part Basenji, he's part Rhodesian Ridgeback. Oh wow! And he's part Pomeranian.
0: How nice. big is Yoshi?
2: <laughs> he's fifty pounds.
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah, is he fluffy or smooth coated?
2: Um, he's he's um he's got the Ridgeback, um and he's got the husky neck fur, um but he's got the um Basenji curved tail. Yeah, I, I wish he was in here, Sopa. Uh, so but she's actually just lying down here now if you can see her
0: you know that that's a typical view for most of our podcasts yeah. um somebody's always got a dog asleep at their feet that's the way we like to do it
2: same here same here
1: do you have a
0: dog asleep at your feet karen i do boomers right here with me oh boom boom boomy. me i know we usually have one You guys, thank you so, so much for a great conversation. Again, thank you so much for a wonderful service that you're providing dog lovers and those of us that need a little extra room and a few extra places to sniff.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you so much for all of this and your hard work, Karen, getting the word out and David for all your work. So thank you both.
0: And if you are enjoying today's podcast, we invite you to leave a nice comment and a good review because the more reviews and comments we get, the more people can find great conversations like the one we had today with Karen and David. So thank you all.